Jonah chapter 4. And again, if you guys have any questions, um, we're going to be... We're going to be at a different church next Sunday, but we'll be back um, for a couple weeks. We'll be leaving for the Midwest on July 7th, so we'll be here for the Fabulous Fourth and all that. So if you guys want to ask us anything else, um, feel free to do so. We have a table at the back in the foyer um, that has some information about the Ivory Coast. Uh, We've got our prayer cards back there. Please get one of those and pray for us. And um, also our website, if you want to look up and see any other information. Jonah chapter 4. I know there's a business meeting this, this evening, so I'll be short tonight. It's my specialty, so anyway. Okay. Jonah chapter 4. <laughs> Traveling changes your perspective. As you travel, you see things that you didn't know existed, it just it broadens your perspective. If you've ever been to a third world country like the Ivory Coast, you know that America is extremely wealthy. That goes without saying. The average wage, the average daily wage in the Ivory Coast is between five and ten dollars. People take taxis everywhere they go, they cook their food over a fire. A lot of people don't have electricity or running water. But we have so many conveniences here in the States. That kind of life is just normal there. It's, it's the way they live. That's the way they've grown up. That's the way their grandma lived and their mom and their, their mom before them. That's normal there. To quote um, the author of a book I'm reading, his name is Steve Corbett, he says, Americans are the richest people that have ever walked the face of this earth, period. We have conveniences that nobody has ever had in the history of the world before us, as far as we know. Um, Maybe they had something before Noah's Ark. I don't know. We don't know. But as far as we know, they didn't have Amazon back then. I mean, we have Amazon today, like you were talking about. I think it's faster than, I think their shipping has gotten faster than it was before we went to the Ivory Coast. I came back and ordered something, and it was there that same day. (laughs) It's crazy. And we have, man, Chick-fil-A is still great. We have so many conveniences. But the problem is that sometimes we become so focused on ourselves that we lose sight of what God wants to do through us. In the book of Jonah, Jonah told the Ninevites that God was going to destroy them because of their sin. The whole city repented. Because they repented, God spared the country Uh, spared the city, for another century and a half. In the last chapter here, in chapter 4 of Jonah, we come on a scene where Jonah's just fuming because he wanted God to destroy the Ninevites, and God didn't do it. He sat down to see what would happen to the city, and God made a gourd to come up over him to give him shade. So let's read Jonah chapter 4. I will read verse 5 down to verse 11. Jonah 4, 5 through 11. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. 
And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd. That word there means that he cared for the gourd. For the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night, and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. So we see that God made this gourd, this plant, grow up over Jonah to give him shade from the sun. Do you ever have a gourd in your life? Something that God gives you, a blessing, something you really enjoy, something that maybe gives you relief from something, something that you really wanted, maybe even something you think you need. When a gourd comes into our life, when God gives us something like this, there are three things that we need to remember. Number one, we need to remember that God gave it to me. We need to remember that God can take it away. And we need to remember that God has a much bigger picture in mind. So we see here in verse number six that God gave this gourd to Jonah. It says, the Lord God prepared a gourd. It wasn't Jonah. He couldn't take credit for it. God gave Jonah this gourd. We need to, any time we have something in our life that is good, just know that it came from God. Anything we have in our life that is good came from God. Can I also say that anything in our life that is less than burning in hell is a blessing from God? I read this story uh, recently. I'll just read it to you. Two men were walking through a field one day. When they spotted an enraged bull, instantly they darted to the nearest fence. The storming bull followed in hot pursuit, and it was soon apparent they wouldn't make it. Terrified, the one shouted to the other, Put up a prayer, John, we're in for it. John answered, I can't, I've never made a public prayer in my life. But you must, said his companion. The bull is catching up to us. All right, panted John, I'll say the only prayer I know the one my father used to repeat at the table, O oh Lord, for what we are about to receive, make us truly thankful. <laughs> but in reality, in all seriousness, anything we get that is better than hell is a blessing from God. We have so many things to thank God for in our lives. Everything we have comes from God. In our, our video that we were going to show, I had a soundtrack and at the end of the video, I had to give credits to the person who wrote the soundtrack. Even the secular world knows you have to give credit where it's due. And as Christians, we often forget to give credit to God. Sometimes um, there's, I don't know what it is in your life, maybe you have a really nice house, maybe you just love your car, maybe, I don't know what it is, but don't say, this is my house that... I made, and, and don't forget to give God the credit, because the credit always goes to God. God 
gave it to me. When we have a gourd in our life, we have to remember that God gave it to us. Number two, we need to remember that God can take it away. Verse 7, chapter 4 and verse 7. So God made this gourd for Jonah. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. How do you respond when God takes something away from you? How do you respond when God takes a blessing out of your life? We're so quick to turn a blessing from God into a reason for bitterness. It's interesting, when, when I came back, it was kind of funny. We got back into the country, and I went to a Mexican restaurant for supper, to get, get some supper and bring it back home for Susanna. And I, I got out of my car, and I looked over, and there's this huge truck parked there. I mean, you know, these trucks are like, they're running boards eye level on me, you know? <laughs> and so, which I guess that's not saying a whole lot, but... <laughs> I'm, I was like, man, we're back in the land of huge trucks. And I saw, you know, people put a lot of pride, a lot of care into their trucks. These guys love their trucks. I don't know what it is for you. Some people love their motorcycles. Um, I don't know what it is. But what would you do if God took it away from you? Sometimes it's a nice job. Maybe you like your job. What if God took it away from you? How would you respond? Would you respond like Jonah did? I do well to be angry. Or would you say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what Job said. In Job 1.27, Job said, the Lord giveth, he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job acknowledged the right of God over all his possessions. His wealth, his family, his job, His animals, his kids, his business, his employees, his future. Job acknowledged the right of God over all of that, and he still said, blessed be the name of the Lord. So how do you respond when God takes something away from you? How often do we say, the Lord giveth and he taketh away, and then we follow it up with something like, but how could God do this to me? Doesn't he know that I'm trying to serve him? Doesn't he know I'm trying to do right? How do you respond when he takes something away? It's very, Job's response here is very opposite to Jonah's response. Jonah was so angry, he just wished he could die. You ever been like that? But we see that God had a much bigger plan for Jonah. Jonah missed it. He was so focused on himself. He should have remembered that God made this gourd. It came from God anyway. He can take it away. But God had a much bigger plan. That brings us to our third point in verse 10 through 11. God had a much bigger plan in mind. Let's read verse 10 through 11. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, Wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. So why did God make a gourd for Jonah? Why did he do this for Jonah, only to take it away the next day? What was the lesson that God was trying to teach Jonah through this? Why did he do that? You ever ask yourself that? Why, why did God do this to me? Well, I think that 
God was trying to show Jonah that he cared more about a plant than he did about the, the souls of more than 120,000 people. It's not just what I think. It's what the Bible says right here. God said, Should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons? That doesn't even count. We, we don't know exactly how many people that's talking about, or that were actually in the city, but some people say that this, um, these people that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand is just talking about children. We don't know. Maybe there were way more people there than it says, or than we could, than 120,000 people. You realize that 120,000 people is over six times the population of Polk County. Jonah was in the middle of one of the, the biggest, probably one of the biggest great awakenings in history, and he missed it. Why? Because he was focused on himself. When I was a teenager, I went to a graduation party of one of my friends, and the party was over, and people were going home, and I knew some, there was someone I knew that was leaving the parking lot, and I turned around like this to wave, and I kept walking, and as soon as I turned around, bam, I hit a metal pole, and I tell you, it was just like a cartoon. My arms wrapped around that pole like that, and the person drove away. <laughs> But sometimes we get so focused on something, we, we miss what's right in front of our face. Like that, I, I missed the pull. It was right there, and I kept walking because I was focused on something else. But sometimes in our life, we're focused on ourselves, and we miss. God has the plan right in front of us. He's like, look, I want you to give the gospel to this person. They're right there, and you miss it because you're focused on yourself. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that a lot of times. Maybe God's trying to show you that sometimes you're more concerned about checking messages on your phone than giving, that, giving the gospel to that person who just walked by. I've been guilty of that. In the Ivory Coast, I was preaching out in the village one day, and I preached a message... I don't even remember what, what the message was on at, at the moment. I don't remember. But I put the gospel at the end of the message. And it was just, you know, a couple minutes. I explained the gospel, because there, especially because there were a couple of visitors there that I knew probably weren't saved. After, after church, one of the men in the church um, came up to me and he said, Hey, you should go talk to um, this guy. He's a, he's a visitor and he doesn't know Christ. Um, he was a guy from the village. All the people in the village know each other, and they know if who's who and if they're saved or not or what. So he, he said, you need to go talk to this guy. He's not saved. And his name was Romero. And so I went out there. I, I wanted, I'll confess, I wanted to go home. I was hungry. You know, it's a 25, 30-minute drive in a taxi, in a rough taxi over bumpy roads back home. I wanted to get back to my family. I just wanted to go home. I said, okay, I'll, I'll go talk to this guy. I went and I talked to Romero and another lady, and I just began explaining the gospel to him, but he said, I'm ready to get saved. I'm ready right now. I said, well, okay. Um, so I, I went through the gospel again with him. He said, yeah, yeah, I understand. I'm ready. 
So I, I think I went through it two or three times with them just to make sure. Because I didn't, you can't just, um, you can't, there's a lot of people there that will make a profession just because you're the white missionary. And I didn't want him to do that. I went through it two or three times. And he said, yeah, I understand. I'm ready. And okay, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. So God allowed me to lead him to the Lord. A privilege that I would not have been able to have, been able to experience if I had just gone home immediately. That's what my flesh wanted to do. I, if I had listened to myself, I would have just gone home and, and missed out on that. I'm thankful that Romero kept coming back to church. Uh, as far as I know, he's still in church. I would like to um, keep contact with him some more. Um, right now, my brother Nathan is in that church um, preaching, so I'm hoping that he will disciple him a little bit more, too. But we're thankful for that, um, Romero's salvation. What's my point? We need to get our focus off of our own comfort, our problems, even the things that God gives us that we become obsessed with. We need to get our focus off of that and look at what God wants to do through us. Just as I wrap this up here, maybe you're here tonight and you're going through a loss. I don't know, maybe, maybe it was a gourd in your life, a blessing God gave you. Maybe even someone that God gave you. God graciously gave that person to you or that thing to you in your life. And he's recently taken it away. And you find yourself asking questions that you never thought you would. Maybe... Is God good? Does he really care? Does God see me right now? Will he take care of me? May I just encourage you tonight to not focus on how much you don't like what's happening right now, but try to focus on what God wants to do through you. Sometimes God uses those situations to bring someone to him, to further the Great Commission, to edify believers, to strengthen other people. Well, I want to encourage you tonight to focus on what God's trying to do through you. Because God has a much bigger plan in mind. Jonah lost sight of the big picture. So much so that this huge conversion took place in the city of Nineveh. Right under his nose. And all he cared about was his own comfort. The whole time, God was trying to get Jonah to see the big picture, see what he was trying to do. He was trying to use Jonah to reach this city. But Jonah missed it. The city repented, but Jonah missed what was happening. I just want to encourage you tonight, may God help us to see what he wants to do through us. May God help us to focus on the big picture. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, this opportunity tonight to share your word with this church. Lord, we know that you have big plans for the Ivory Coast. We know that you have big plans for Polk County. We know that you have big plans for Crossroads Baptist Church. And I pray that you would help us to not get so focused on our comforts, um, the next big thing in our life, the next uh, achievement that we miss what you're trying to do through us. 
I pray that you would help us to realize the opportunities, see the opportunities that you have for us when they come. Help us to seize those opportunities and to just get our focus on what you want to do through us. Thank you, Lord. And we ask this all in your name. Amen.